I'm going to show people that you can enjoy your favorite foods in moderation and still lose weight and be healthy. Like, because so many people watch this documentary, like busy moms driving their kids around, their kids are screaming in the back of the car, I'm hungry. The only thing you can get is McDonald's. It's like, don't feel guilty for getting your kids McDonald's once in a while if they're screaming in the back and they need to eat, like it's fine. So I was like, I'm gonna eat Big Mac, a Big Mac every day for 30 days. And I lost seven pounds over those 30 days. Wow. Um, and people lost they their shit. Yeah. yeah, they didn't believe it. They were like, how did you do that? And I was like, I ate less. Like, and I, I just, it wasn't just one Big Mac. I ate one Big Mac and then I had my other meals as well, but I made sure that I was eating overall whole nutrient dense foods and eating in a calorie deficit while still eating one Big Mac a day. And that was it. And welcome back to the Better You Blueprint podcast. Curtis, how are you? I'm very good, man. Good, man. Today's a big day. Today's a big day in the Better <laughs> yeah. You Blueprint. We have yeah. an amazing guest today. We have Jordan Syatt with us, owner and founder of Syatt Fitness. Jordan, how are you doing, man? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. So um, for those of you who don't know, Jordan is a major player in the fitness and wellness space, has a big following on the gram and, a, and a, has a podcast of his own. So he is putting a lot of content out in the fitness and wellness space. But Jordan, our first question, would love to just get a little background for those of you who maybe who don't know you, learn about you for the first time. How did you come, you know, how'd you, how'd your journey start in the fitness industry and how'd you get to where you are today? Yeah. So, uh, I could talk about this for a long time. I'll try and make it brief. Um, so I, I'm super short, right? I'm five foot four, come from a short family, short Jewish family. Right. And, uh, my, I have an older brother who's also very short. And my mom was like, all right, I don't want these boys getting picked on at school. So when I was eight years old, she, she walked into the living room. I was lying on the couch and she was like, all right, I'm going to put you boys into wrestling. And at eight years old, the only wrestling that I knew is WWF style wrestling. So I remember being like, you want me to hit someone with a chair, mom? And she was like, no, you idiot, like Olympic style wrestling. And I, I had no idea what that was, but she put us into it and I loved it. Like I, I fell in love with wrestling. Um, it's just, it was my passion immediately. So at eight years old, I started doing it. By the time I got to high school, you know, I had already been wrestling for a number of years. So I ended up making varsity as a freshman. I beat a junior out for the, the varsity spot. But I was 14 and I was at, on varsity. I was mainly going up against like 17 and 18 year old kids. So I was good from a technical perspective and an endurance perspective, but my strength was nowhere near where it needed to be as a, as a kid on varsity. So I started getting into weight training, but I had no idea what the fuck I was doing. So uh, I grew up in a, a town a little bit outside Boston, Massachusetts, and I, uh, I just emailed a gym nearby and I was like, Hey, listen, I'll take the trash out. I'll clean the floors. Just let me come and intern and learn from you. And I was very fortunate because number one, they, they let me come they took me under their wing and they were also super science-based. They were a very science-based gym. So from 14 years old, I got into the science-based fitness industry and that was it. From that point, I, I fell in love with strength training, fell in love with conditioning, fell in love with nutrition. And, and I started coaching people by like 15 years old and I've been in the industry ever since. How has the fitness industry changed? I mean, it's changed. It feels like it changes every week. I was in the fitness industry for almost 15 years myself. Now I do more like business life coaching type stuff. I mean, for somebody who, who's, who feels very knowledgeable in that space, I'm still sometimes just blown away at how quickly things change and how something new comes along. And I don't blame people for being so confused. Yeah. yeah even just me having a career in athletics is like, I feel like even looking at the way that any athlete trains now is yeah. like so different from what we were doing things very wrong in high school. Like <laughs> I was not doing like, yeah, not proper biomechanics. No. Yeah. I mean, the, the industry is always changing. Right. And, and the reality is most of the changes are not based on science or based on necessity. <laughs> They're based on uh, what's going to get the most views what's going to get the most engagement, not because it's actually better, but because it's more entertaining. Um, the vast majority of things that are effective have been known for many, many years, like hundreds of years. Like we look at, at the, the best Soviet athletes of all times. So we look at like the best, like the, the Soviet strength secrets is what they call them. They were doing like the most up-to-date scientifically effective strength training, like in, in the fifties and sixties, things way better than the shit that I'm seeing on Instagram stories. Now it's yeah. like, it's on TikTok and just nonsense. I'm like, 
what is this stuff? As I we're we're devolving as a society uh, and as an industry, um, so it's things change far less because of of necessity and because of effectiveness and far more just because people are saying they're a personal trainer because they put that in their Instagram bio and they're just putting up something that looks fun to other people. Yeah. Do you feel like uh, there's going to be an opportunity or any shift in the future of like, I completely agree with you about like the pros and cons of the social media landscape, right? It's like, it's shortening everything, trimming like all of the knowledge out of the message and like what looks cool how fast can i make this look interesting and yeah so do you feel like i don't know it's possible to move in the other direction where it actually starts to be this like move towards knowledge and like i think i think it's social media is a net positive like i think it's overall net positive like for example like us three talking like this wouldn't happen without it like i i love social media i'm a huge fan of it i think it's overall net positive uh, I just see because so many people on social media go for virality and they go for views, it ends up watering down their desire to learn and to educate themselves and ends often ends up to them spewing the wrong information to many, many people. But I think, for example, it's actually very interesting for me. I remember when I was in high school and college, I very rarely saw anybody deadlifting in the gym or doing farmer's walks or doing Romanian deadlifts or even good push-ups. I see it all the time now. When I go into a gym, I see everyday people who are not in the fitness industry doing great exercises. And yeah, there's some people doing some stupid shit, but from 2005 to 2022, there are is a way higher percentage of people doing good stuff in the gym now. Like it's actually unbelievable. So overall, I think knowledge is better. I think more people have a better understanding. The only caveat to that is I think there is more confusion now um, because oftentimes with more knowledge comes greater confusion. As you gain more knowledge, you end up like, well, now you know what you don't, you, you're, like, you're starting to learn what you don't know now. So it's the whole ignorance is bliss thing, right? Whereas like when you don't know, like in the nineties, all the fads was like the low fat. So like my parents had the snack well snacks and all that nonsense because like fat was bad for you. It was going to make you fat. Um, and it wasn't as big of a deal because they're like, you weren't getting fed all this crazy information all the time. But now it, we can even see it in politics. Like you open your phone and you're being slammed with politics on social media nonstop. And now you're probably way more scared about stuff than we would have been 15, 20 years ago, because you were only reading it in the newspaper once or twice a day, or you were only seeing it on TV or maybe hearing it on the radio. Now, every time you open your fucking phone, you're slammed with why the world is going to hell and why we're going to go into World War III and all this stuff. And it's, it's super confusing and all this. So there's a lot of confusion and I understand it, but net intelligence and net effect is positive, I think, as a result of it. And I think it happens from the, from like the content creator side as well is you see something, you're putting something out and you're like, man, that was so helpful. So knowledgeable. And, and then you see somebody doing eight backflips with, you know, barbells hanging around their neck and you're like, well, okay, well that got <laughs> 6 billion views. Yeah. So yeah, is. is that what I should be doing here? And like, and yeah, I mean, there's so many times and, and I've seen, you know, obviously on yours, you put the wig on, like you do the, the cigarette, which I love, right. I love that you have figured out that, that merge of, I'm going to be, I'm going to give them the entertainment they want and give them also the education and information that they need. So ha have you found a balance that you feel works for you? And does it ever, I mean, I'm sure it must, but did you ever just kind of say, I want them to get the content, but damn it. I just don't, I'd rather do it a different way. Yeah. So it's funny. I was literally just talking about this. So uh, it's a really important topic for people to understand. There's, there's three different types of content. The way I look at it, there's educational type content, which like, you can build a great business off of educational content. Like most coaches, if, if, if they just did education, they would do great. But a lot of them, like, they don't know what the fuck they're talking about. So they can't educate. So they do stupid shit, but educational type content is like one backbone. The other, another one is entertaining content. You just use these words like verbatim. You have educational, you have entertaining content for this. I look at like stand up comedians or, uh, like Trey Kennedy. I don't know if you follow him. He's super funny. Trevor Wallace. Like these are, they're, they're entertaining. Um, and then you have in the middle, which is a combo of both, which is both educational and entertaining. And I found that's the best. Like if you can do both, then you're going to have the best of both worlds. Um, and 
what most coaches need is they need like 80, 80 to 90% education and 10 to 20% entertainment. That's where you're going to get like the most people who are really interested and, and engaged in what you're talking about. And they can actually learn from it. If you look back at my content from like 2011 to 2016, most of it was just raw education, like not really fun or exciting. It was just, I started making content in July of 2011 and it was just like, just raw, like really bad. Like I was, I was super nervous. I wasn't a good writer. I wasn't a good speaker. You watch my old YouTube videos. Like I was swaying side to side. I was just, I was really nervous, but I was like, hi, my name is Jordan side. I'm from sidefitness.com. And today I'm going to show you how to do a single leg Romanian deadlift. And like, that was it. And like, they did well, but now it's, they do even better because I'm better on camera. I have those skills and I can bring in just more of myself and my personality. It's, I think a lot of people who don't know me, they think I only do accents and wigs and shit because they, they, think, they think I only do that because of content. That's who I am. Like I've done that my whole life. My wife will get mad or not mad. She laughs. She thinks it's funny. But when we go out to dinner, sometimes if we go to a, a place where they don't know me, we were just on vacation. I will use a different accent to the waiter and the wait staff to try and like pass off as I'm from somewhere else. And I will create this entire different personality. Like I'm from Scotland or I'm from South Africa or whatever. I'm from Ireland, whatever it is. And I will do that accent the entire time throughout the whole dinner. And my wife will, she thinks it's hilarious, but it's like, it's, it's just who I am. I, I like doing that stuff. I was in plays growing up. I was in musicals. Like I like acting, like I, I enjoy it. So I brought that into my content because that's just who I am. And it's funny, not because I felt like I needed to get more attention. That's what I was going to ask. I was going to say, was that always a part of you? Like was the entertainment side, because you are entertaining. So it's like, was it something that you feel like you practice, but you said it was a part of you. Do you think that for people that I guess aren't that naturally that there's like, it's possible to become that? Or do you think it's like this? I think play, it's a great question. Play to your strengths. Like uh, an example is um, Ben Bruno. Do you know Ben Bruno? Like Ben Bruno is awesome. Do you, do you know Eric Cressy by chance? No. Uh, so these are, are amazing strength coaches. Amazing people I've looked up to for years and they're, they're not, they're definitely not putting wigs on and talking in accents. Like they're much more education-based yeah. and okay. they're like the goats of the industry and they're amazing. Um, I think it's helpful to find ways to be, to inject entertainment, like at least a little bit, but if you're just a dry, dry person <laughs> and like, which is fine, like, it's fine. If you are, don't force it. Just, yeah. okay. I, I used to try to suppress that side of me out of a fear of being judged or made fun of. I used to suppress, like, for example, I love Harry Potter. I'm a huge Harry Potter fan. Like, I think Harry Potter is fucking genius and amazing. <laughs> I, I remember, got through them all. I literally just watched them this past year. Did oh. you read the, have you read the books? I haven't. All right. So, all right. I know it's pretentious as fuck to say this, but like the books are infinitely better. And they're like, I think the, the movies are like, eh. The books are fucking incredible. Yeah, they're unbelievable. And if you want to be a better writer, like J.K. Rowling's writing changed my writing for, for my entire life. Like she's, I reading those books made me a better writer, made me a more creative thinker. And just like, it's unbelievable. Um, I remember in high school, sitting at a lunch table and kids being like, oh yeah, Harry Potter's for losers. And I was obsessed with Harry Potter. And I was like, yeah, I've never read those books. Like I would say that because I didn't want to be made fun of. Like I didn't want to be a loser. So when I started making content, like I, I, I never told people that I liked Harry Potter. I would never like, but I vividly remember the first time I made content using a Harry Potter reference. It got a huge response. It blew up. And I was like, I just need to be more of myself. I just need to tell people who I am and act like, like I am. And that made a huge difference for me. And so then that's when I started injecting more humor and injecting more of what I think and believe. And it, it made everything better. It made, I don't have an imposter syndrome. I feel better. I can actually be who I am and talk about the stuff that I know and love while also being funny and entertaining because that's just who I am. But if you're dry and like, you're not that person, then don't be that. Don't try to be that person. Just be who you are. I was going to say, was, could you identify like a, a turning point where you decided to like, was it that Harry Potter post that you're like, okay, I got the feedback and like this works and I'm just going to lean into this. Or was it like 
yeah, something going to happen personally. You're like, I just need to try this. So there was a bunch. Number one was in 2017, I used my first Harry Potter reference. And like, I remember like being really nervous to put a Harry Potter reference in my caption. I was nervous because I was like, I don't think people are going to know what this is. Like, <laughs> even though it's like one of arguably the most popular books yeah. ever, I was like, I don't think people are going to get it. And it blew up. And I was like, that was fucking awesome. Because people were like, oh, like I love Harry Potter too. Oh, that was such a good reference. Like it blew, it changed my brand. It changed everything. So that was like a, there's an amazing book by Chip and Dan Heath called The Power of Moments. If you haven't read it, amazing book. It's like the science of these, these moments in life that change you forever. That was one of those moments that changed me forever. And I, and it's, you can use the power of moments with your clients. You can use it with, uh, with your social media presence and Chip and Dan Heath, they have amazing books. And another great book by them is, uh, made to stick, um, amazing, amazing books. But that was a moment for me that changed my life forever. And the Another time that changed it for me was actually just more in more recent years, probably around like 2020, 2020, like going into 2021. I just got so sick and tired. Like politics have really blown up in the last few years, like a lot, way more than ever before. And I got really fucking tired of, of hiding my views out of a fear of losing followers or, or hurting my business. So finally I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to say whatever I think. And whatever I believe, and if they don't like it, they can unfollow me. Yeah, and yeah. that was that was a work in process, a work in progress for a while. But once I did it, like social media anxiety gone, imposter syndrome gone. I just say what I think. I understand some people aren't going to like it. Cool, fuck it. I don't care. And that was a massive turning point for me. Leaning into that is so big, and and I work in a uh, head coach in a side program where we train other coaches. And I often tell them like, if you lose a hundred and now again, followings are different, right? Like you have a yeah. much bigger following than me. And some people are just getting started, but I tell them, if you lose a hundred followers for being more, you, I give them this, the analogy, I say, would you rather be in a stadium full of people where you're giving a talk and everybody's staring at their phone, not paying attention to you? Or would you rather be in a room full of a hundred people? And they're all locked in, taking notes left and right. Yeah. Yep. It's, it's who you're talking to and why you're talking to them. So it's so much when you finally find that. And actually that was the way we met our very, when yeah. our, our, at the time our girlfriends introduced us, Yeah, we sat about that and, and he was looking at my, and I was still going through it all, but he's like, you just seem so confident you're doing all this stuff. And I'm like, yeah. dude, it's because I've tried everything. And this is just what feels the best. Yeah. This version of me is the funniest, most authentic when, when I'm sarcastic, that is like me at dinner, but actually that's the version on, on Instagram that everybody likes. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, so now I guess it's obvious that I'm definitely the like, I fall into the category of like the drier yeah. side of this, yeah. but I think that was like a big barrier, even for just starting to do this together. I was like, I don't, I know the back end, I know all the production. I could like geek out on all the tech, but like, I don't know. It's interesting to move to the front. That's definitely been a journey to like, yeah. And the cool part is people will relate with both of you. Like people it, it's, I think we're open. <laughs> the grass is greener on the other side type thing. Like if you're more of the dry type, you might look at someone who's more like open and charismatic or funny or whatever. And like, be like, I wish I was more like that. And like someone who's more like big and charismatic might be like, man, I wish I could just like be like more introspective and quieter. Like it's the grass is always greener. Like it's so having both and just being who you are, you'll always relate to someone. And and going back to your, your example of the stadium full or the hundred, the hundred people, I completely agree. I say that all the time from the perspective of, I would rather have a hundred people who would die for me than a hundred thousand people who are meh about me. Like which one is going to save my life? It's the hundred people. They will, I would a hundred people fighting to the death for you is way more impactful than a hundred thousand people who are like, eh, you know, and I I feel like same goes for business as it does in your life. Yeah. Same thing. You don't need a billion people who think you're pretty cool. Well, well that goes back to like, like in that first conversation, that was what I asked. I was like, you know, at the time I was looking at all your content, like talking to the camera and I was like, how do you do it? And you were like, I'm talking to one person. I'm not talking to everybody. I'm talking to the person that like, I feel like needs to hear this. Yeah. Which is so, I, again, right. Like it's such an interesting thing for me going through seeing this side of the camera. So 
so Jordan, obviously you were, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the reputation, um, Gary V we want to kind of like talk about that. And we don't know, you know, again, I'm not sure when you were training him, when, how far back that was, but how did that impact you? And how did you, obviously you had an impact on him. I mean, he's talked about you a lot and everything, but how has that changed? Not just from a business standpoint, but you know, what version of Gary did you have? And then also how has that, what, what did you learn from him that is now helping you now? Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot there. So Gary, um, there's only one version of Gary, like Gary is who he is. Like he is who he is through and through. Um, the, I did get a more tired Gary cause we were training at like six in the morning and he fucking hates working <laughs> out. So like I got, it, it wasn't like, he wasn't grumpy, but like, you know, he, he would wake up at six after being out until two at business meetings. And then like we would train and like, that was my job for three years straight, seven days a week. There was, there, there were no vacations, no breaks, no weekends off seven days a week for three years straight, no exceptions. I coached him every single day, wherever he was in the world. I was. So if he was in Hong Kong, then I was training him in Hong Kong. If he was in Amsterdam, I was training him in Amsterdam. If he was in LA, then I was in LA every single day, seven days a week for three years straight. So I think the, the, there are a number of things there are two big, big, big things that I always say in terms of impact that he had on me. Number one is, um, you, you could work so hard. Like if you really want something like you'll work, like that guy works so hard. It's unbelievable. Um, if someone told me that he works harder than all of the world leaders and like presidents and prime ministers and all of that, like, I've seen his schedule on my phone. I had it for three years, like in his Google calendar, that guy works harder than anyone I've ever seen in my entire life. It's fucking crazy. He's booked out months in advance from six in the morning until midnight or one or two in the morning, every single day, nonstop. He's got everything in there from his workout to his shower, to his car driving to work, like everything it, minute by minute it's booked out and he works every single minute of it. It's crazy, which is why he has someone like me following him around because he delegate delegates out certain things. He's the best delegator I've ever met. But even though I never worked as hard as he worked, I was able to increase my amount of work just by, you know, just being in that ecosystem when like almost like seeing is believing yeah. by yeah. seeing how hard he worked. I was like, Oh, I can work way harder than I'm working. And just that changed my business and changed my outlook just because I was like, I'm leaving a lot on the table. So it's sort of like when you strength train with someone who's weaker than you versus someone who's stronger than you. Right. Yeah. I always try and be in a gym with people who are stronger than me because that's going to push me to lift heavier and lift harder and be more consistent. But if I'm training with someone who's like, ah, oh, we could skip today or like someone who like they're, they're not as strong, or maybe they're the same strength as me, but like, we're not as competitive. Like I I'm a competitive person. I like to compete. And like Gary brought that out in me and showed me how much harder I could work now. So that was the n number one lesson. The other lesson was I don't want Gary's life. And this is yeah. equally as important. Gary works harder than anyone. And I don't want to work that hard. I, I just don't, I don't want to grind as hard as Gary grinds at all. Like I I'm about to have a kid. I want to, I want to work a couple hours a day, to be honest. Like, I don't want to work that much. Like, and especially like living in America and having the, the, this American mindset. I love capitalism. I think it's fucking great. I love it. I think it's fucking awesome. Uh, but I also understand there are issues with the mindset of work, 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 and, and your entire life revolving around work. If we look at the healthiest populations in the world and the happiest populations in the world, their life doesn't revolve around their work. Uh, much more friend, family focused, lifestyle focused. So I want to spend more time with my wife. I want to be able to hang out with my kid. I want to be able to go to their sports games or their uh, parent teacher conferences or their, their uh, I don't know, art events, whatever it is. Like I want to do all of that. So for me being able to see, you know, I fly in private jets or flew in private jets. And I was all over the world and see all this stuff that a lot of people like see on Instagram, like, Oh, that's so cool. I don't fucking want that. I, cause I know what it takes to get it. And I have zero interest in working that hard. Also flying in private jets is massively overrated. The Wi-Fi usually sucks. <laughs> yes. It's just not nearly as good. I way prefer flying regular. That's way more enjoyable to me. So it's important to understand. <laughs> I was going to say, like, was there a point in time when those things were a part of your goals or, and did that, did that shift from seeing it? And you're like, mm, now that I've kind of peeked behind the curtain, I 
I understand what it really is. I, I don't think I ever wanted, I've never wanted an empire of a business. Like I've never wanted a hundred employees or 500 employees. Like I've wanted to, I've always wanted to live comfortably and enjoyably. I've never wanted my life to revolve around my work, but I did used to think like, oh, that shit's cool. Like I see someone flying on a private jet or I see someone buying an insane $10 million house. I'm like, oh, that's cool. Now I don't think it's as cool because I know like either you were very lucky and inherited that large fortune, but, or more likely you worked so hard and destroyed your body and your relationships to get to that point that you probably don't even get to enjoy it. Mm -hmm. And I saw that with many, not with Gary, but with many people in that ecosystem that were ungodly rich and hated their lives. And like, it's Gary talks about that very frequently. He has a lot of like, it's real. It is. They don't have the time to spend with their family. They, they can't go to lunch and enjoy lunch with a friend without like having to worry about all these fires to put out, like all the things that we do on a daily basis that we take for granted, like, I'm just going to hop on the phone call and like call my friend or whatever it is. Or like, I'm going to go on a walk. Like they don't enjoy that. They don't have that. It's, it's, and they can't just stay like they're, they get home late. They leave early. They're not really hanging out with their family or kids. It's like, if that's what you love, great, but that's not what I want. And so like, if all you want is to be able to post a picture of you on a private jet on Instagram, so you can get validation likes, I think you should probably take a closer look at what you value and really like dig deeper into why you might want that. Yeah. I feel like uh, it just reminds me of the quote, like the I definitely am not going to, I don't know who it is, but it's the things we own end up owning us. Yeah. It's right? exactly right. You're like, I, yeah. I feel Yoda, like- Yoda has a great quote and I'm going to butcher it, yes. but something to the effect of like the way to get over your fears is to uh, stop worrying about like, essentially stop worrying about losing everything. Like get detach yourself from the idea of losing everything and be okay with that. Yeah. Like lost everything you'd still be okay. Like to lose everything you've ever built and you'd still be fine. And that will help you get rid of a lot of your fears. <laughs> I thought for sure we were getting an accent there. I thought we were. Uh, <laughs> if, if I knew the quote verbatim, I would have, yeah, but like, I can't butcher the quote and do an accent. <laughs> so, so actually that, that made me think of, uh, in when you were training Gary or, and it doesn't have to be Gary specific, but, uh, when you're thinking about putting together a training regimen for somebody that is seven days a week and it is like about, is it about maintenance? Like, is there really progress to be made when you're getting a tired version of this person who's like spread thin everywhere else and, and is under a lot of stress? Already? Yeah. And how, like, or did that change the way you built it? Was it more of like, I'm going to design this regiment as more of like a meditation or is it like, so there was a lot to consider with that. So part of coaching Gary was just not just coaching him, but also being constantly in touch with his assistants, like multiple assistants, like his assistant had an assistant, like just constantly being in touch, being in the calendar, trying to reduce stress as much as possible. Cause that was a huge part of it. The other as- aspect of it was like, Gary had so many newbie gains, right? It's like he, he hadn't trained very much before, especially not in a way that, that I was putting him through. So for example, the reason that I got the job was because I had a a big history of helping people with improving their posture and and reducing pain. That's actually how they found me. Uh, They found me from an article I wrote in 2012, an article that very few people liked or read. It was an, an old article three ways to improve your posture sitting at a desk. That's how he, his, his, his coach, his previous coach found me. It was from a shitty article I wrote about improving your posture. Um, and, yeah, and so awesome. the reason that they brought me in was to help him. Like he, his assistant would only book him on one side of the airplane because his net, he, when he wanted to sleep, he would put his head on the airplane. He would get the, the uh, window seat and put your head on the side, but his neck was so stiff. He couldn't go the other way. So he would only sit on one side of the airplane so that he could do that. And I was like, man, he he would throw his back out at least like two to four times a year, every year. And he'd be out for a week. He had knee problems, hip problems, back problems, and neck problems. And I'll never forget when I went in for my interview with him, he said, if, if you get the job, he was like, if all we do is fix my hip pain in three years, it'll be worth it. And in two months, his hip pain was gone. 
And so a lot of that just came from mobility and soft tissue work and, and just a little bit of strength training. So it, I think a lot of people look at fitness clients and they're expecting, you know, bodybuilding type transformations. Yeah. Most people just want to look and feel better. Gary was like, I don't want to look like a fucking bodybuilder. Like I don't need that. I just want to feel good so that I can like sit in a meeting and listen to who I'm talking to rather than worrying about my neck. Right. So that was it. So it was actually very easy because it, it was, I didn't need, I don't even need a full hour. Like sometimes we'd be in the gym 15 minutes and I was like, cool, got your soft tissue work in. That's all we need to do. And that was one of the benefits of training seven days a week, because if, if we only have three days a week together, then we we've got three hours and like, we need to make every minute count. But yeah. if we've got seven hours together, now we can sort of play it by ear use a little bit of cybernetic periodization and be like, cool, you don't feel good today. You didn't sleep that well. We're just going to stretch to mobility because we have tomorrow. It's like, yeah. we're good. Yeah. So yeah. No, that was one of the major benefits of that. Nice. That's such a great answer because so many times, even still, like I'm, I'm not even in the fitness industry anymore and people are still like, Hey, I want to work out. Is this a good split? Well, it's yeah. like, it always depends. It always yeah. depends on how many days you're going. What are you doing on your other days? Are you, are you standing for work? Or are you moving around? Are you sitting? So I think a lot of, I, I love that answer because it is, it's so important to know what does the rest of your life look like? You can't just give somebody your height and weight and be like, I want to lose weight or I want to fix you know, it, fix this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you got to figure out what you want and then what is really going to benefit you in the rest of the areas of your life. Yeah. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Everybody would love to look like the cover model. Right. But that's not realistic. People don't have that time. And also we don't know what you're dealing with behind the scenes. We don't know what your job requires of you. We don't know what your kids require of you. So, yeah. and it's sort of, it's the same thing as the private jet example. It's like, you don't know what it takes to right. get right. Like, do you know how awful it feels to be that lean? Like that's <laughs> yeah. terrible. Like your sex drive is down. Do you know how many like lunches and dinners they said no to, or they brought food and Tupperware to, so they could have their tilapia and broccoli. Like yeah. they couldn't enjoy their fucking time out. It's like, they look like that for seven minutes in their pictures and they'll have hundreds of pictures that they can post as many times as they want, but they don't look like that year round and they feel like dog shit. Like you might like how the, the private jet looks, but you don't want the process of how it gets to get there. So true. Yeah. There's it's like one picture. It's a quality of life equation. Yeah. Like, what yeah. Do you want? I would no way thing. rather eat a little bit more pizza, have a slightly higher body fat percentage. Yeah. And like, that'd be way more fun for me yeah. than like looking that lean year round. Like I don't, no one gives a fuck if I have ab veins. No one cares. <laughs> yeah. There's one picture of me where I did get to that level. And it's like, you, if you start from the ground up, you're like, oh my God, it's amazing. And then you yeah. get to the top and I'm just like, I look sad. Yeah. And my, and my face is sunken in and, and, well, you're tired. and, every, you're and everybody working. was like, Oh man, you must've been, I was like, no, that's exactly how I felt for weeks, months looking like, yeah. that. and it's just, you're right. Totally not worth and it. Then, and then they put special lighting on you and they put like this oil on you, like to actually bring some color into your skin. Because, <laughs> like you're fucking great. <laughs> I remember when I, when I got my leanest, my mom tells a story all the time, constantly. She'll be like, I remember, uh, like, she was like, when I saw you, you were gray. Oh. Like you looked awful, like cheeks sunken. In. And it, it's funny. Cause I was like, I was the leanest I've ever been. And I was like, this is, this is cool, but yeah. I don't have enough energy to smile. Like I didn't have, I couldn't get boners, like nothing. It was awful. Terrible. Like oh, what the oh. fuck is that kind of a life? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, man. So I want to pivot here for a quick second and talk about being super lean. Uh, <laughs> you did a big Mac challenge. Yeah. And I would love to, you did it for a month. You ate a Big Mac every day for a month. Yeah. Yep. So tell us about the findings of that. I thought that was pretty cool and why you did it. And, and what'd you find at the end of that month? Yeah. So the reason I did it, some people are like, oh my God, I can't believe he's promoting like eating fast food. Nah, 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 nah. Shut the fuck up. I'm not promoting eating fast food. I, the supersize me is one right. of the worst documentaries. It's great from a production perspective. Like it was right. genius, but cherry picked fear mongering bullshit and they still show it to kids in school. And I fucking hate it. Um, it basically like for so many reasons, supersize me. It was a terrible, terrible documentary, not least of which let's just look at one example of many examples. Um, he was required to say yes. Every time they yeah. asked him to supersize a meal, he was required. You're an adult. You could yeah. say, well, no, thanks. Right. Uh, watching my, watching my calorie intake. I'd rather not supersize it. He would, literally part of his own rules was I have to say yes. And I have to eat all of it. Yeah. Like you can't say, Oh, I'm full. I'm going to stop eating. What the fuck? 
Who are we teaching people? Yeah. Like, what is this nonsense? So I was like, listen, I'm going to show people that you can enjoy your favorite foods in moderation and still lose weight and be healthy. Like, because so many people watch this documentary, like busy moms driving their kids around, their kids are screaming in the back of the car, I'm hungry. The only thing you can get is McDonald's. It's like, don't feel guilty for getting your kids McDonald's once in a while if they're screaming in the back and they need to eat. Like, it's fine. So I was like, I'm going to eat Big Mac, a Big Mac every day for 30 days. And I lost seven pounds over those 30 days. Wow. Um, and people lost their shit. Yeah. They couldn't believe it. They were like, how did you do that? And I was like, I ate less. Like, And I, I just... It wasn't just one Big Mac. I had one Big Mac and then I had my other meals as well, but I made sure that I was eating overall whole nutrient dense foods and eating in a calorie deficit while still eating one Big Mac a day. And that was it. That was very easy. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I, I would have rather do the McGriddle because I think the McGriddle tastes way better than the Big Mac, but yeah. the Big Mac has more like brand name recognition. Like, yeah, yeah. Oh, the Big Mac. Not everyone knows the McGriddle, but yeah. the McGriddle is the best thing on the menu for whatever it's worth. The McGriddle challenge doesn't have that same ring. It doesn't. It doesn't. Doesn't. Better taste. Better taste. <laughs> I, I loved it. I loved it because I, you know, we all know how the internet goes and people would just lose their mind and be like, but he's doing it, but he's, but he's making other good decisions. And that's yeah. all it comes down to is you can have bad decisions, but you got to look at the whole thing. And we, we just recently started uh, talking about, uh, actually, I don't know if it was you, but, but breaking the day into quarters. And I really love the idea. Like I'm a sports guy, right? But I played like more uh, like football, basketball, where it's like four yeah. quarters, where yeah. if you bomb the first quarter, it's like, don't just love go that. to the locker don't room. Don't give up the game. You got yeah. a second quarter. You could come out after halftime. You can finish the day really, really well. Yeah. And I feel like with That's nutrition specifically, thank you. I feel like with nutrition specifically, it's a great opportunity, right? You have a yeah. terrible end of the night. It's like, don't let that bleed into your first quarter of, yeah. the, of a brand new game. Love that. That's a great analogy. That's a very sticky analogy from like that made to stick book. You would love that yeah. book. All right. Definitely checking that out. Definitely checking that out. So I, I want to ask. You uh, might do it naturally, to be honest, just based on like how you talk, like you might already make things sticky naturally, but it's still like cool to realize yeah. That, yeah. to read that. I don't know why. And I've always loved analogies personally. So I yeah, use well, a lot yeah. of them. Analogies just help me retain things oh, better. Yeah. So I, I do tend to use a lot of them. Um, you, you, you know, I want to congratulate you on, you have a baby coming in August. Is that right? Yeah. August 16th. Yep. August 16th. Congratulations. Yeah, first right. of all. And Which with blows my mind that they can know what fucking day it's supposed to arrive. Like, that's crazy. Yeah, that's, that is pretty wild. <laughs> like barring anything awful happening or anything crazy, they can know like yeah. almost today when it's coming. Yeah. That's nuts. So, so to obviously a lot is going to change in your life. So I, I want to kind of talk about like the boundaries in, in a lifestyle and then also expectations. I think both of those things are things that people struggle with sometimes before they even get to the fight, they set all these expectations or they, you know, if they don't have boundaries, it's going to be hard to get there. So becoming a new dad, knowing what's on going to be on your plate now that maybe wasn't, how are you kind of approaching both the boundaries thing when it comes to maybe expectations you have, but also just what expectations are you setting or maybe not setting? So I, I have zero expectations. Like I, 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 I'm very much like a go with the flow kind of guy. Like I don't plan my, my wife is more of a planner. Mm. So like, she's already like, Hey, like we need to get like, you know, the crib and like this stuff. I'm, oh, I didn't even think about that. You know, like, it's like, <laughs> she's more of a planner. I'm more of just like a go with the flow. Like, so I'm just excited about having a kid. Like yeah. I'm just stoked. So like, I don't have any, like, I'm sure having a kid is going to take up a lot more time, but I'm more of like the, let's just adjust when the kid's here. So like, I, cause I know and I, I know like not, not having a plan is like planning to fail and da, da, da. like, I've never been a planner ever, like for anything, for my content, for, I, I just don't plan. I'm like, oh, we'll figure it out. And then I think the biggest thing is most people, they just don't try with most things in life. They just like, and they're scared to voice their opinions and their thoughts. Like, I don't struggle with that. So if I need something, I'll say it, um, like as things come, I'll, I'll adjust. But like, I'm not going to just stop. Like, for example, a lot of people have been asking, like, do you think your fitness is going to go to shit? No, absolutely not. Because like, I'm going to make sure that I'll do what I need to do. If that means waking up early, then I'll wake up early. If that means going to bed late, then I'll go to bed late. If that means adjusting my work schedule to make sure I can get my workouts in, then I will. It's like, it's not a matter of like, I, I'm going to have to give up my health and fitness. It's like, I'll just adjust. So that's more just how I approach it. And I'm not saying that's better or worse. Just that's how I've always done it. Yeah, it's, 
go ahead. No, I was just saying it's interesting how, yeah, I feel like with kid, it's like the unknown people, you find yourself like having the conversations about like choices you're going to make without like, you don't have all the equation. You don't have the kid. So you yeah. have right. no idea. Right. <laughs> they, I have no idea what the kids, the kid might be a menace. I have yeah, no they're clue. a human being. Like they, they're going to be whoever they are. <laughs> That's the, my biggest takeaway from that statement was that you are just determined to adjust where we're needed. And I yeah. think going in with that, sometimes that is the only plan. That's the choice. The plan is like, I'm not going to let it go to hell. Yeah. It's going to be harder. I'm going to have to sacrifice something. But I just think that that mentality is a, is just a winner's mentality in general of going in being like, I'm going to find success however it may look however i need to find as it. opposed to being like there's no way there's yeah. just no way with a kid you're gonna and like <laughs> i mean i'm doomed yeah like <laughs> two two people in their 30s don't have kids yet but yeah. but like i want to have kids down the road but i i really gravitate towards the parents who are just who seem to find a way and who yeah. just seem to say like well fitness is just as important to me as being a mom or dad yeah I don't want to choose one or the other. I don't know. I don't know. Again, coming from a non-parent, people are going to roll their eyes and be mad at me. But but I also think it's, it's, I think it's also like a very uh, entrepreneurial mindset where it's just like, I'm going to get it done. Period. Like I'm going to have this kid and I'm going to be present and helpful. And I'm sure like if the kid gets sick and it ruins the day, like whatever it is, we go to the hospital, like I might not be able to work out that day. Yeah. But like, like you said, like this is one quarter. Right. I'm not, I think a lot of people let's take kids out of the equation. Some people go out on a Friday night. They have a lot of chips and guac, a couple margaritas. <laughs> they eat like shit. They feel bad. They give up the rest of the weekend and they eat like shit the entire weekend because they think they yeah. fucked up that one night. So yeah. if someone has a kid, the kid ruins their plan to work out. Oh, fuck. I'm, I might as well take the rest of the week off. Like, no, <laughs> I'll work out tomorrow. Like it's fine. Yeah. It's, it's, I'm going to get it done no matter what. Yes. I'll have to adjust and things are going to be different, but I'm not just going to stop everything just because I have a kid. Yeah. Yeah. There's always something to be. It's always going to be something. Yeah. <laughs> Some oh. Jordan, is there a question that you wish you were asked more? I'm sure you get a lot of the, you know, I think fitness, just fitness and health breed a lot of the same things. How do I lose weight? How do I, you know, not to, not to downplay those questions, but just, I'm sure you get a lot of the same question. Is there a question that you're like, man, I really wish more people would ask me that honestly, I, I have no idea. Like I, I, one of the, my favorite pieces of content right now is just doing Q and A's on my Instagram stories yeah. just because like, I just enjoy answering people's questions and I can sort of pick and choose which ones spark something in me and, and make me excited to answer it. So now, like if people ask me, you know, like do carbs make you fat? No, 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 no. Like, I'm just going to ignore it because I've answered that 500,000 times. <laughs> right. Or I'll find a funny way to answer it with a wig or something, but like, <laughs> That's, that's it. So I really, it, it, there's not any questions that I'm like, oh, I wish they would ask me this. Cause if they did, I would just make content on that anyway. Like if, if I was like, I wish they'd ask me this, then I would just make that content regardless. Answer the question, not ask. Yeah. yeah. That is a great tip for all coaches, entrepreneurs out there, people listening who want content is like, we, we think that the question is simple because we get it all the time, but like that is the content that is needed. If, yeah. if you're getting that question over and over, or you're getting a new question, but well, and don't look for permission, right? Like, you right. if you want to say something, say it. Yeah, exactly. But like, yeah, I mean, uh, most of my content is super repetitive, which is one of the reasons why, like, if, if you are not comfortable answering the same 20 questions until you retire, then you shouldn't be a coach. <laughs> like, it's the same 20 questions over and over and over and over again. Do carbs make you fat? Uh, like, does breakfast boost your metabolism? Like how to boost my metabolism? Like are, dead, are squats bad for your knees? Are deadlifts bad for your back? Like, dead, like all this shit, same questions every fucking day. If you're not cool answering those questions, then don't be a coach. Point. That's, that's a great, <laughs> yeah. point. great point. And, and it's not a bad, like if you don't want to be a coach, cool. Let's find a different career. We don't have to answer the same questions every fucking day. Yeah. 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 But in every career, you're going to do basically probably this. Anyone who's successful at anything does the same things over and over and over. Bruce Lee, I, I'm much more fearful of the guy who practices one kick 10,000 times than the guy who practices 10,000 kicks one time each. You do the same thing over and over and over and over until you die. And the people who do that are seen as like they're legends because they did the same fucking thing over and over and over again. Consistency. That's all it is. Say, that's like consistency. Consistency. Um, 
So we have, we have, I have one question, final, final question for you, but first, man, I just want to acknowledge you. I first, first of all, appreciate your time coming on here, sharing with everybody. Uh, you've been super consistent with your own content. And I just love that you bring it in such a fun, authentic way. And it gives people like us and who watched uh, permission to not necessarily lose themselves in their content, but find the version that is the most authentic to you and have fun with it. I think content can be super overwhelming when it comes to trying to fit into a box that really nobody's put you in, but we think that we're put in from some way. But yeah. I just love the idea of my favorite days creating content are the days that I am enjoying it too. Yeah. And, and it just looks like you are enjoying it. So yeah. hopefully you are, but I just really we appreciate, appreciate you. You kind of paving the way here. Thank you. I appreciate you. I appreciate you both. I think you have a, a killer dynamic. You're great hosts. And uh, if I can ever help with anything, please let me know. Thank you, man. Thank you. So our final question to you is obviously so many things change in the fitness and health space, you know, monthly, weekly, daily, we kind of talked about that, but if you had to leave behind three facts or tips or um, pieces of advice that you think a hundred years from now, somebody finds and they stumble upon this podcast and they see you and they hear this, what do you think a hundred years from now is still going to be tried and true and proven and be helpful for somebody today? And also a hundred years down the road. Yeah. I think number one is just walking is the most underrated exercise in the world. Just getting more steps in. Um, oh my gosh. People massively over, over complicate fitness and they're looking for the next best hit workout and like, <laughs> try to, Oh, if I'm not sweating or in pain and then it's like walking. If we look at the most, the longest living populations in the world, steps, 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 okay. it's crazy. Getting more steps, this is, this is a brand new meta analysis came out recently that is pretty fucking crazy that getting more steps has a greater positive impact on your health than smoking has a negative impact on your health. Wow. Which is fuck like crazy. <laughs> getting more steps in affects you more positively than smoking affects you negatively. How crazy is that? Like it's a lot. Steps is like if you do nothing else, just get more steps. And I'm assuming you've not been getting your steps in or you, you haven't believed. That <laughs> well, and, hasn't been. <laughs> no. And my, uh, and my wife is like huge advocate. I, I have made a rule that when she says, do you want to go you on a walk that default. I auto say yes, but I'm not the guy again. Like I come from sports athlete background and I fall into the category of like, I was, I've been at the point where like I enjoyed those hard workouts yeah. and like, I've, you know, done the days of sprints and stuff. So it's like, I connect that to like, Oh, I was at my peak then. That's what it takes. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm like walking and oh my gosh, she's going to light me up for this. So thank you for, yeah. for I just think about it in terms of like, just just look at the healthiest, longest living people in the world. Like a lot of them were not elite athletes. They're yeah. just regular people, like yeah, right. regular right. everyday people who actually don't have a ton of muscle mass and they never did. And they were, it's, they were just, they walked a lot. They, the or, yeah. they, they lived a relatively low stress lifestyle. Like they drank, they often drink wine on a very regular basis. They eat a lot of fish. Like they eat a lot of carbohydrates. Like you look at the longest, no one was a long living keto fuck. Like no one is like, Oh, I lived to a hundred <laughs> doing keto. Nobody yes. ever, ever. It just didn't fucking happen. So it's like, it's um, yeah. Steps number one by yeah. far. Um, sleep. And like, it's funny, like these are not sexy, but sleep is super important. It's so funny for many reasons. Sleep is important, but one of the most common questions I ever get in fitness is like, how do I reduce my sugar cravings? And we could talk about all you want, all you want, but I've noticed with myself and with my clients that when they actually start getting good sleep, they, they prioritize health. They actually crave healthier food and they reduce their cravings dramatically for sweeter, highly palatable food foods. So like the, you know, like super high salty, high fat, high sugar, whatever the cravings that people have will often dramatically go down and you just start sleeping better, which rest in peace to the new parents. Like I'm about to be one, like, I'm sure it's very yeah. difficult when you have a young kid or a couple young kids, yeah, but if you have the ability to prioritize sleep, it's super helpful. And again, like longest living populations in the world, like lower stress, more sleep, more steps. Um, and then let's see one more. Um, I would say this isn't even like necessarily fitness. It's more just like when you're 90 years old and lying like on your deathbed or you're close to your deathbed or whatever it is, like you're not going to regret standing up for what you believe 
ever. Like you never regret the time you were like 30, 35, 40, 45, whatever. And like putting your foot down and saying like, no, this is right. Or this is wrong. And like, this is why like you will regret not doing that. You will regret being like, oh, I want to make a little bit more money. So I'm going to like do this just because like, I I don't want to like risk my job or like, you will always regret that if you don't stand up for what you believe. So like, just say whatever you believe and, and be open to being wrong about certain things. Like be open-minded enough to be like, listen, I could be wrong about this, but don't hide your beliefs out of a fear that people aren't going to like you anymore. Like that's a terrible way to live. Food for thought. Yeah. Facts, man. And one of my favorite things about the content you, um, and I want to make sure everybody follows you, but I love that just recently I saw you said, I used to think this Mm. and now I think this and, and why, why I want to just mention that is, that's a guy to me that is open to being, to not only just being wrong at some point, but also that means you're learning. Mm. That means you're open to education. You're open to to acknowledging yourself and saying, okay, Hey, I kind of thought something right. And you know, not to go politics, but the reason why I like that, that is go politics. Let's go deep. (laughs) The reason why that's never been the thing is like, I'm never going to believe in a world where we get crucified for something we did 20 years ago. Like check out my Facebook. It's not great. Like we're we're all going to be that person. But if you don't, if you're not open to saying, Hey, I might've been wrong. And now I think differently. Right. Then what do we, then who's open to change? It's gotta be okay to say that I've messed up. Yeah. It's like, trying to cancel people for the shit they said when they were 18, like get yeah. the yeah. fuck out of here. We're not fully yes. developed at yes. that point. Or even if you're 50 and you said it when you were 40, like it's right. 10 years ago. And right. if you're clearly not about that anymore, like what ha- it's so funny, like whatever happened to like forgiveness and yeah. like grace and understanding, like we're not all perfect. Like right. everyone loves to judge and hate and dump <laughs> down people and like ah, da, 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 and finger wag yeah. at them. It's like, I bet if we opened up your closet, there'd be a fuck ton of skeletons, motherfuckers. Uh, sure. So, wash out. <laughs> we all got them. We all got them. Well, Jordan, man, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate you sharing with yeah. everybody here. Um, where can they follow you? Where can they find you? Where can they connect if they want more from you? Yeah. If you Google my name, Jordan Syatt, S-Y-H-E-T, I've got a podcast, Instagram, like every, whatever I'm on every platform, just Google it. It's shocking to me how many people don't know how to use Google. I get a lot, <laughs> a lot of people on my Instagram being like, where, where can I find your podcast? I'm like, Google Jordan Syatt mm-hmm. podcast comes yeah, right up. It comes <laughs> number one. So, yeah. but if you want to follow me, join me on any platform, just Google my name with the platform. Right on. Thank you, man. We appreciate your time, man. Yeah. I appreciate you too. You guys are awesome. Seriously, you're great. You're crushing it. If I can ever help, let me know. Thank you, Jordan. Thank you. Make sure you follow him. Follow his podcast, the Jordan Jordan Syatt mini podcast. Got some great information on there. And thank you guys. And we'll see you next time on The Better Blueprint. See you later.